It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Block Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's 10 p.m. and Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Thursday night, January 27, 2011. Welcome to the show that truly covers sports, life, and everything in between. My name is Joe, Just Business Puccino, and as always, seated horizontally, my tag team partner is... David Gomez, a.k.a. DG, a.k.a. Daily Grind. How are you, Daily Grind? Doing great, just business. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Apparently, we have a lot of listeners, DG, except for one important one. Mother Nature apparently wasn't listening to me a few weeks ago, DG. I said it, and I'll say it again. Enough with the freaking snow. It's There's still February, <laughs> March, and I'm done with this godforsaken winter. And you know what, DG? I realized one thing last, uh, I realized one thing on our show last Tuesday. Imitation. What did you realize, sir? Please share with us. I realized that imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Don't you agree? I would have to say that I agree with that, unless you're not really being imitated. Um, let's not go there. Give us the contact information first. Folks, the contact information, as always. Our call-in line, if you'd like to be a part of the show, and we encourage you, folks, 714-364-4721. Email puregoldpg at yahoo.com. Our Twitter, puregoldpg. You can follow us, folks, and all the exciting things happening in the world of Pure Gold. Our YouTube channel, Pure Gold PG. Facebook, Pure Gold PG. And as always, JB and myself write articles for SportsRages.com. As a matter of fact, I wrote one and published it today, folks, about the Royal Rumble. All right, DG, thanks for that. And um, apparently it's a wrestling theme this week. I know that, um, again, the uh, NFC and AFC Championship games were played this Sunday. But, again, we're not going to really be talking about that today, DG. What are we going to be talking about? Folks, we're waiting for the call to come in, but we will have live and on the air, Mr. Pyro Falcon from OnlineOnslaught.com. He is going to be sharing his opinions, thoughts, little things that are going through his mind on all things WWE because he hates TNA just like we do, just like Kevin Knight does, just like most of you should. So we will be talking WWE for the most part and also a little bit of other things going on with him. But as I said, we're still waiting for the call-in folks for our guests to sign on the line. So, JB, for the meantime, take us away. Yes, sir. Uh, A little background on online onslaught. Um, I remember about a couple years ago, uh, we would always, you know, cruise the websites to read about what's going on in the wrestling world, and um, I, I apparently turned you on to this website, and from there, obviously, apparently. it became, yeah, uh, apparently, and it became a, uh, you know, it really became a great source of information for us. Uh, we got to know the website pretty good. We got to know the Rick, anyway, pretty good, and um, Pyro Falcon does do a lot of recaps for Raw, SmackDown, and for the next show, so um, it was a great thing that we actually got him onto our show, and you know, we, we really appreciate him coming on, and hopefully he could give us a lot more insight than his articles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, I, I mean, I've enjoyed a lot of Pyro's articles. Uh, you know, the Rick, for the most part, doesn't really write as much. He doesn't pay for your recaps, but Pyro is the uh, 
straw that stirs the drink, as it were. A lot of very opinionated person. Uh, he has a lot of, you know, things that he, you know, things that he feels just like us. He's passionate about wrestling. He's passionate about all things WWE, and you know, he wants it to be a good product, just like we do, folks. And as a matter of fact, live and on the air, we have with us Mr. Pyro Falcon from OnlineOnsight.com. Sir, how are you today? Good evening, guys. I'm doing fine. How are you guys? Wonderful. We're doing good, baby. Mr. Pyro Falcon, it is an it is an honor. Sorry. It's a privilege to have you on the air. Um, you know, we're looking forward to a great show tonight. JB, would you like to start us off? Sure, Mr. Pyro Falcon. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. I appreciate the love, man. I don't hear enough of it. Good. I know. I know you have a lot of fans <laughs> listening tonight. Uh, do you want to just give the fans a um, and the pure girl audience on what Pyro Falcon really is? Um, well, I try to be many things. I'm just a normal guy, really. But, uh, you know, I love all the big four sports. I love pro wrestling. I love good movies. You know, just the normal guy stuff. Good, good. Um, I, I'm going to jump right into this Pyro Falcon because we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, me and DG always talk about, we always read your articles, we always read other articles, but, uh, we always talk about John Cena and his, you know, his resistance or the WWE's resistance to make him a heel. And, uh, we've gone over and over on how many chances they've had to do this and they've missed almost every opportunity. Do you agree that to freshen up the product going, uh, John Cena going heel would be a good thing for the WWE? Well, freshening it up at all would be a good thing. I mean, I don't really necessarily think he needs to go full-on heel. I mean, well, personally, I think he does. But as far as just freshening it up, it doesn't really matter whether he goes full-on heel, if he simply goes back to being actually clever or actually charismatic. You know, the the whole problem is he's now this watered-down cartoon version of himself back when he was popular. And uh, that's what's really damaged it. And he's been this way for what, five years, maybe longer? You know, they've got to do something. They've definitely got to do something. They, they, make it seem like, they make it seem like he's the modern-day Hulk Hogan, and um, he's not as charismatic at times like Hulk Hogan was, and I think they, they just try to force us down, try to force it down our throat that this guy's a face. We get that already. Right, DJ? Yeah. No, I, uh, I agree with you, JB. Obviously, we definitely feel the same way. Um, in terms of John Cena, you know, what frustrates me is that I actually, there's there's talent there. It's not like ta- John Cena is a talentless buffoon. He has talent. He can talk on the mic. But for whatever reason, he, you know, it's it's like uh, Pyro said, it's a watered-down version of what he could be. And, you know, we've been talking about this back and forth. But uh, speaking of talentless filth, I don't even know, you know, what to, what to call it, but Pyro, I, JB and I were talking about this today. We need to know why is it that the three of us on this on this uh, show right now and the Rick seem to be the only four people on planet Earth. Oh, my brother hates him too. Who dislike Randy Orton? Jim Ross loves him. <laughs> Shawn Michaels loves him. Triple H loves him. Paul Heyman loves him. Lance Storm loves him. I mean, I read Lance's articles on his wrestling website. Explain it to me. Why does everybody think that Randy Orton is the greatest thing since, you know, a bacon cheeseburger? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I've been trying to – I don't know if you heard this. uh, Wade Barrett also gave him a shout-out in a recent interview, saying that he was one of the locker room leaders. Um, I really (laughs) don't know, and I've been trying my hardest uh, to, to come up with an answer for you ever since we, you know, talked about doing this interview. The most I can come up with um, is that Orton Orton is the Jersey Shore of pro wrestling. You know, it's like people watch Jersey Shore because, you know, they they want this bombastic, over-the-top, you know, wants to beat everyone's, you know what, you know, kind of bully. And Orton sort of fills that role. Plus, he's got the orange tan that Snooki has. And he, um, he, he just, he, he has this, you know, he has this attitude that appeals to WWE's current demographic of teenagers, where you know he doesn't take any crap. He wants to, you know, hurt anyone who messes with him. And 
you know, there's something to be said for that. But, you know, Steve Austin did it much better 10 years ago, 15 years ago, however long it's been. And, um, you know, it's like, because that's sort of what they started Orton doing, you know, because he was, uh, he started this whole character back when he uh, first turned face, when Evolution turned on him, however many years ago that's been, where he, you know, takes no crap, he does what he needs to do to get over everybody and win the title. But Orton is a black hole of charisma, and obviously he has no mic skills. Preach it, brother, preach it. I mean, the more I listen to Orton, honestly, the more I think he learned the language reading the inside of men's room stalls. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, because he says cliches in that slow Orton monotone, and you just want him to hurry up, you know? Yeah. Pyro, the, 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 30 seconds to say something like, um, uh, I can't even think of it now, I said it in a recap a few weeks ago, but he took uh, 30 seconds to say a cliche, something like, you haven't seen anything yet, but, you know, he said one word every six seconds, and it just drove me insane. But Pyro, let's be smart fans here, like we are smart wrestling fans, uh, Randy Orton okay. behind the scenes. Behind the scenes is just an immature little whiny biatch, and you know that's true because, you know, you hurt him by accident in the ring, and all of a sudden you're not working for the WWE anymore. Our uh, Ken right. Anderson. So speak right, to that. Exactly. Well, pro wrestling has always been one of those um, uh, fraternities, you know, where. Your your status, your seniority is what dictates how you are looked at in the locker room. Um, you know, some guys have earned it like Undertaker, Triple H, you know, Shawn Michaels. They've earned the right to say, we've been there, we've done that, we can actually advise you with things. But Orton seems to have earned it based on his father and his father's father. He's gotten this seniority just because of his last name pretty much. And right. honestly, I think that's where it all started. And maybe that's, okay. you know, I mean, cause, because, you know, he, he uh, like you said, he hurt, um, or Kevin, or, I'm sorry, Ken Anderson uh, hurt him or almost hurt him. And Ken Anderson comparatively is so low on the totem pole that, you know, Orton just says three words and he's gone. Right. Now, looking at the current product, Pyro, um, there's been a lot. I, I talked about this on Tuesday night as well, but there's been a lot of crossovers lately with SmackDown and Raw. I mean, to be honest with you, I think that this has been a failure, the the brands. Um, do you agree that it's time to end the brand split? And, um, yeah, just give me your thoughts on that first. I completely agree that the current state of the branding and the crossovers are a failure but I don't think it's time to end the brand split. It's not because the product wouldn't be better, but it's a case of, um, well, similar to the NBA, you've heard that LeBron James has been in the news talking about, uh, you know, shrinking the number of teams in the NBA to get more stars on more teams. WWE is in a similar situation. If you combine the rosters, you can get a lot of the current main eventers on both shows all the time. So you're going to be losing a lot of the mid-carters, um, a lot of the lower mid-carters too. And by keeping the brand split as it is, we can at least see more guys developing. Um, I think it's more of a fault about uh, WWE's um, current writing practices that they don't have enough interesting things for enough people to do. Because back when the brand split first happened, I mean, that was when wrestling was still at its, well, maybe just, coming off of its peak. And, you know, you had enough stories, you had enough talent, you had enough guys who could actually carry the show, carry the mic, carry their characters. And the, the brain split worked. It allowed more guys to develop. If you end the brain split today, you know, your Drew McIntyre's, your Dolph Ziggler's, your, uh, heck, even CM Punk might get, well, maybe not now, but um, you definitely wouldn't have an access. You wouldn't have a core, as stupid as that name is. But, you know, you wouldn't have these younger talents coming up because, you know, there wouldn't be any room for them. Right. 
Now, uh, uh, I mean, this storyline has been going on and on and on and on. I mean, at the time, I mean, I, I don't think the WWE even knows how to end it at this point. But this whole Raw anonymous GM, I mean, to me, honestly, Pyro, I think the only person that it could possibly be is Michael Cole because he gets so much heat for it. Yeah, it, it's it's time to do something with it. Um, unless they have some sort of really huge unrealistic reveal just in time for something like WrestleMania, like if it was The Rock or something, you know, then I could see extending it, but WWE doesn't think that far ahead. And unless some sort of miracle has happened that no one knows about, you know, it's no one any, it's no one major. So. Right. Yeah, it's unfortunate with everything going on because it's unfortunate with everything going on because obviously um, the the Royal GM at the beginning was kind of interesting. You know, I was reading some posts the other day and uh, fans like us, were saying that they felt it wasn't a bad idea because the whole idea of having a face and the guy's in, he's interrupting, and he's taking up mic time, it kind of takes away from the program. I mean, that's one way to look at it, but we obviously want to know who the heck the world GM is. But, uh, you know, sw- switching gears for a second, you mentioned Core with two R's, which, you know, stands for really <laughs> retarded, and the right. Nexus. Um, I've compared them to the NWO black and white versus the red and black when I was talking to JB, except for the fact that no one cares about any of these guys other than maybe Punk and I guess Wade Barrett, who, you know, has some talent, obviously. But the difference being that the NWO had guys like Sting, Luger, Nash, Hall, Savage, Hogan, and all-time greats. People were invested in the story, and eventually the Wolfpack went face. And they feared, but how are they supposed to have these two heel groups that really nobody cares about, a bunch of no-name guys other than CM Punk, feuding and either going into WrestleMania or, you know, starting at the Rumble? How is that supposed to work, and who's going to care about it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of, I'll I'll save my prediction for a bit later, but uh, based on who may or may not win the Royal Rumble, I can see Nexus, New Nexus, and Core kind of continuing on a bit. But you're right, I mean... We don't care. We don't care who's in it. The guys are talented. I mean, you know, Justin Gabriel, I think, deserves a spot on the main roster. He's slight or not so yeah, much. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, we care about their talent, but, you know, I don't know. I, at this point, I actually think Core is stronger as a talent. Just, I mean, Ezekiel Jackson is starting to get some sort of uh, push, and he's getting some legitimacy, and Gabriel's awesome. Barrett's awesome. But, you know, Nexus just, nobody cares. CM Punk's great, but nobody cares about anybody else on that side. So, you know. Yeah, and especially it. not someone like someone like David Atunga, for example, who you said black hole of talent. There, That's a black hole of talent right there. Him and Orton <laughs> should uh, yeah, form a tag team and call it the black hole. But, um, you know, you name the guys, you name the guys who are in it. But the fact is that, like you said, we other than Slater, who's I think is terrible, that there's some talent there, but there's just no there's no real story. It's just bam, you know, we have these two teams. Oh, they're feuding, and then Core doesn't even have a leader. How do you have a group with no leader when Wade Barrett is obviously the only one out of the four of them who has any sort of personality? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do if they're gonna like start having someone come out to be the leader. But the, to me, the core just is the Nexus restarted. I mean, it's the same storyline with the same people with one edition restarted. And I don't see how it's going to really play out that will make anybody interested at all. But, you know, maybe we'll be surprised. I try to hold out some optimism. Yeah, Yeah, I think the only only way to make this thing uh, really even more retarded, which that's what the core stands for, really retarded, is to probably have Vicky Guerrero be the leader of this crap fest and then go from there. I never even thought about that, but uh, I wouldn't put it past WWE to do something like that. Yeah, and knowing that they do have monkey writers. So let me ask you, Pyro, like uh, off the top of my head, um, I, I, I mean, I, we, we're talking wrestling here. Uh, we're still wrestling fans, but I'll be honest with you. I DVR Monday Night Raw, and I DVR SmackDown, and I usually watch them the next day in Fast Forward. Is that something you do? I know you write recaps, but are you Fast Forward most of the time? Um, honestly, uh, the, the weeks I have not done recaps for various reasons are usually weeks that I just skip wrestling entirely. 
Um, it's sort of bad for me to say it, but at this point, pretty much the only reason I do still watch is because of the recaps. I enjoy writing. Um, I, I enjoy writing anything, you know, doesn't matter what it is, but I love doing the recaps, especially the way Online Onslaught has its writing voice, the creative freedom Rick gives me. And at this point, the way wrestling is, I probably wouldn't watch it if I didn't have a reason to. Um, but, you know, it's it's come to the point, I, I try to watch every second of it because I don't want to miss anything, um, just in case I need to put it in the recap. But lately I have started going on heavy fast forward when it comes to uh, ring entrances, when it comes to recap packages, you know. Even when I'm doing the recaps, I usually get through an episode of Raw in about an hour and 35 minutes. See, uh, uh, Pyro, I actually thought that you were going to tell me the only reason why you still watch is because of Molina. Well, <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, she's reason number two that I still watch it. Man, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just wondering. Uh, I'm, I'm going to rant on this one right here, and uh, this might sound a little too anal for you, but you uh, just tell me what you think. I'm oh, sick and tired... Okay, I'm sick and tired of John Cena's custom belt as the WWE title. Thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it was kind of interesting when he had it for the U.S., you know, when he made the spinner, and it was kind of like, yeah, okay, it goes with his little rapper character he's got going. Now it's just stupid. I mean, it, it doesn't spin anymore, but it's still, the design is just gaudy, you know? It doesn't look like, anything nearly legitimate it's it's uh it's showy and you know i i actually listened to your um interview with uh kevin knight on tuesday and uh the way he said that wwe has become a show it really kind of hit home because from the belts to the fireworks to the characters it, it is more showy and gaudy and with an eye for merchandise more than anything else um in fact, if I may go off, uh, digress a little bit here. Um, digress, digress, brother. Rick uh, mentioned that he was, uh, you know, as big of a as big of wrestling fans as Rick and I are. Neither of us are big into the merchandise. I buy the video games. Rick buys nothing. And uh, he mentioned that the <laughs> recent Miz shirt, the set that just has the "Hello, I'm Awesome" on it, uh, he wanted to buy. But he wound up not buying it because if you go to WWEshop.com and you uh, see their T-shirt, all of their T-shirts are just, like, over-branded. There's, like, WWE logos on the front, the back, the sleeves. There's, you know, just this giant, gaudy artwork everywhere. The belts are the same way. The toys are the same way. It's like WWE now exists to sell merchandise. You know, it's become a commercial for itself. And, you know, it, you know, they're always advertising some new DVD set they have out. And to be fair, a lot of their DVD sets are pretty cool. I mean, I've got – I guess I do buy a few DVD sets of theirs. But, you know, it, it, it's like all they're concerned about is selling the product and, and selling their brand rather than putting on a good – performance for the fans who have stuck by him all these years. That, to me, is the main problem with WWE. Yeah, that's definitely some definitely some good points. And uh, I also buy the DVD sets. I guess you could say that I'm the pyro of this, this group and uh, Joe is the Rick because he doesn't buy crap and all he does is talk to your <laughs> crap. But with the DVD sets, I own a whole bunch of them. I have the Macho Man DVD and the Rock DVD, and those DVDs in particular upset me because if they're gonna shell out, if you're gonna shell out money for this this stuff, at least have the guy appear on the DVD in some way, shape, or form. Don't have Matt Stryker, who you know I don't have a problem with Matt, but don't have him announcing it with like Eve or whatever you know random diva that they have. Have the Macho Man come out on the DVD. Have The Rock come out on the DVD and talk. If they're going to make money, if they're going to get royalties, they should be involved in it in in some way, shape, or form. And I hope that with the Macho Man doing his little promo, ooh, yeah, for the WWE All-Stars game, I hope that they can redo the Macho Man set, do something else, and have him talk on it because... You know, when I watch the Shawn Michaels DVD, that I want to hear that. When I, I just saw the Chris Jericho DVD recently, I want to hear Chris Jericho talk about his career. I want to hear Chris Jericho talk about, you know, the highs and the lows. I want to hear his peers talk about how great Chris Jericho is, how he works, his 
work rate or, you know, the type of guy that he is behind the scenes. That's what I as a fan want. I don't want some, you know, big old moose turd of Matt Stryker talking for two hours and the random WWE guy, whatever his name is, just announcing, you know, what's going on in between the matches. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of their DVD packages now for the all-stars like Rock and Savage, they become clip shows, just extended clip shows. It's actually, now that you said all that, it makes me think, because, like, um, there's that video going around, has been going around for about four weeks now of Kofi Kingston, just, you know, uh, a clip. It's like almost an extended Titantron video. And then the DVD sets are like extended versions of those where all you see are some select matches and random people talking about how awesome they are. And the thing is, WWE is eventually going to run out of that material. They don't think they will, but they will. And when they do, you know, that's when that money is going to dry up and they're going to have to think of something else. Because they certainly can't do that with uh, most of the current crop of wrestlers. Well, unfortunately, if Orton had his own DVD, I'm sure it would sell, but... That'd be an awful, awful piece of art. <laughs> Can't even call it art. Yeah, well, well uh, I'll censor myself by calling it art. But yeah, it'll be a really bad <laughs> piece of stinky art. <laughs> now, now, Pyro, you know another thing that really irks me, and uh, I'll rant on this a little bit and tell me what you think, is the fact that the WWE, uh, especially Raw when it's live, obviously. Um, I don't appreciate it, and they've done this ever since, you know, they they lost competition with, uh, you know, WCW Nitro. I don't like the fact that they start matches, and all of a sudden they cut to a commercial during the match. I mean, I think that's an insult to people that are watching on TV. That's probably the main reason why I actually DVR it, because then I could just fast-forward right through the commercial. But what do you think about the fact that they actually go cut to a commercial during the match? Yeah, I hate it. I mean, you're right. The only reason they started doing it is because they have no competition. I mean, in fact, um, it sounds like you probably already know this being a you know longtime fan, but when WWE first started Raw and it was taped, um, they would do that. They would put commercials in. And um, WCW, when it was live with Nitro, were, they were the first companies that said, we will not put commercials in matches because you never know what's going to happen. And that's what forced WWE to go live and start doing that as well. And you're right. I mean, that that's the more intelligent way to do it. That's the more um, uh, that, that's more of a that's more of a shout out to the hardcore fans who want to try to suspend their disbelief that we are watching choreography. Because you know, it, it's like when you cut to commercial in the middle of a match, you know nothing's going to happen. You know, it, you know there's going to be no pin. There there was one. Just a few weeks ago when, what was, oh, it was when Santino and Vladimir won the tag belts, which I thought was funny because they won it during commercial. Which oh, yeah, 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 I remember. Whole, yeah, not only did it bring the whole stupidity of putting a commercial in the middle of the match back into the, into the spotlight, but it was, to me, WWE's commentary on what they thought of the tag division. You know, they say, the tag division is so unimportant to us, we're not even going to put the crowning of new champions on television. We're going to leave it to the commercial, we're going to talk about it in a moments before package, and then we're just going to move on. You know, it's, that's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's there's, pretty funny there's because, no defense for it. Yeah, that's pretty funny, Pyro, you mentioned that, because that's something that we didn't even put down on our rundown to talk with you, is that the lack of the tag team division and the the just the distaste and the the care or the lack of respect that that Vince has nowadays for the tag team division is just absurd. To make those belts look like pennies, I guess that's what they are. They're they're just penny <laughs> champions. I mean, it's it's absurd. I mean, the one thing I want to ask you, Pyro, um, how enjoyable was writing for Online Onslaught during the whole like Nitro versus Raw? Like that must have been probably your most favorite time. Uh, you know, to write because there was like two shows going on. There was great competition, great storylines. How fun was that during that time? Um, unfortunately, I wasn't a writer back then. Um, in oh. fact, I don't think I'm not entirely sure Rick had the website going back then. Um, Rick had Rick started online onslaught as a dirt sheet. You know, just basically a newsletter. Um, and I I didn't find the website until 2004. Um, and it was. It was, it was fun to write even back then because though WWE was off its peak, it was a lot 
less bad than it is now. And we had but, we had um, eleven writers for the website, and uh, you know we used to play pay per view predictions games every time there was a pay per view. You know, fourteen times a year, sixteen times a year. And I remember that. It, it was a blast. Yeah, it, it was a blast writing for the site back then, even because you know there was just so much going on, and you know there was constant um, storylines, and it, it was the start of the stupidity. But to be honest, I had just gotten back into wrestling at that point. And I uh, was kind of on that uh, contact high of, you know, feeling wrestling, you know, being around people who enjoyed wrestling. But, yeah, I quickly kind of dissipated. <laughs> and now, you know, when I write for OO, I, uh, it's, I don't, I don't want to sound arrogant, but it's my own humor, my own uh, mocking of the product that makes me enjoy it more because, Without mocking it, it's just sad. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because you're talking about the hardcore fan and you guys are talking about insulting the fans and the tag teams and the pennies and all this other stuff. Well, the fact of the matter is that I don't know how many hardcore fans there are left because the WWE is all about, like you said before, merchandise. It's all about selling. You know, I've been – I know that I feel that the reason that Cena hasn't gone heel, other than the whole, you know – um charity and doing the Make-A-Wish and stuff is is merchandise. And the fact, also, the reason that the belt isn't anywhere, hasn't gone anywhere, is because that belt sells for whatever reason. But, um, you know, shifting gears for a second, I'd like to hear your thoughts on something. Um, you know, Ken Kennedy, or Anderson, you know, whatever his name is now, um, I loved him. I thought he was great. He was unique, interesting. MVP was another guy that I, I got behind. Uh, JB always makes fun of me because the guys that I like always get released. But... Uh, the truth of the matter is that with him and with you know with these two guys in general, they got fired, they got released, they're gone. You know, Orton got Kennedy fired or whatever the case is. But you know, what do you think went wrong for them, and why did they not end up as main eventers in the WWE? And you know, quite, now they don't work for them, or you know, MVP. I think he's in Japan somewhere doing who knows what. But why do you think they didn't end up where they should have? Kennedy got the, the title shot. And then it was taken away because of an injury and whatever the case is. But give us your thoughts on that. Well, I don't think Kennedy um, – I, I think Kennedy just couldn't get started because of his injuries. Uh, you know, he he was really injury-prone. His muscles were made of glass, as strange as that sounds. And, um, you know, he, he never got started. And when he finally almost did, that was when he almost hurt Orton. Um, Kennedy was just – screwed. I mean, he, he was he was screwed by fate. He was screwed by, you know, his body breaking down on him, and he was screwed by Orton being Orton. And, you know, I, if I, honestly, I loved Kennedy and MVP um, much longer before they were in the mainstream eyes. You know, I, I, was, I was actually a fan of MVPs from day one, even though, you know, the fans didn't like him because of his character, which was fine. He was a heel. But I liked him, and I I saw something in him a lot sooner than a lot of people did. The only thing I never liked about MVP was when he did his ball and elbow, and it took him like a minute and a half to do the move, you know. But other than that, yeah, I, I think what MVP was lacking was it, it again comes back to the writers because to me MVP has a lot of charisma, and obviously Ken Anderson is dripping with charisma. But yeah, the yeah. writers haven't really given the current crop of guys, including MVP and Ken Anderson, um, as much creative freedom as they used to. See, I remember back uh, when WWE was in its heyday, um, and they, in order to compete with w, uh, WCW, they would tell their guys, you know, say what you, whatever you want, do whatever you want, you know, you have to either succeed by your own merits or you will fail by your own merits. And it became a very Darwinian process. I remember um, yeah. reading the uh, the Rock's book. Uh, the Rock said that he would be uh, out of dinner with his wife and he'd just suddenly, just for no reason, think of a funny line and he'd write it down and, uh, you know, say it the next night on Raw. And, you know, it became a point where these guys had to be good. And you know, I, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, like you know, there are plenty of undiscovered great talents who can be pro wrestlers, but they may never be discovered because 
Um, they're, uh, wow, I have no idea how he's going to finish that sentence. I'm sorry. Let me back up a second. <laughs> that's a brain uh, fart. Ooh, yeah. See, that's how I write. Sometimes I write train of thought, and there's no backspace when I'm talking. Um, basically, my point is that, you know, back in that heyday, guys had to live and die by their own merits. Nowadays, they're fed lines by uh, writers. And what it, what that does is it makes guys who have low charisma elevated like Orton, but it has makes guys who have a lot of charisma like Anderson and MVP get knocked down a peg because they're not allowed to say what they want, to do what they want, to um, show their um, best sides. I mean, if you think about it, that's how Cena became Cena, as he is today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he was the prototype, no one cared. But when he, you know, did his little rap backstage, I mean, the story's famous now, and Stephanie McMahon said, you know what, go on, go out to the ring and do that. And Cena would just, you know, do his thing off the top of his head, he was funny and he was charismatic and everyone loved him. And then once the writers yeah. started feeding them lines, including Cena, that's when everything starts going downhill. So, Yeah, and, and that's a good point because, he's, you know, talking about the guys like this or even like a Carlito who, you know, has some talent, um, there's so many guys in the WWE who could be main event status. You know, who do you think should be elevated, and why do you think it is that guys like Kofi and Swagger get pushed and then get dropped down to low mid card obscurity? I mean, Swagger was the world heavyweight champion, and now he's mid carding against Kofi, who had this great feud with Orton, which I personally think that he, you know, helped carry that big time because Orton obviously has no charisma whatsoever. Um, and speaking of him being a baby, I remember him cursing, you know, whatever, calling him stupid and yelling and in the middle of the ring like a baby. But right. why is it guys who have talent like Kofi and, and Jack Swagger and, you know, guys of that nature get pushed and dropped? I don't know. Well, in Kofi's case, if I remember right, Orton, again, had some say in that because, uh, you know, in the – Kofi's breakout moment was when on Raw when he um, defiled Orton's NASCAR and Kofi was elevated. But apparently sometime during that feud or after the feud or something, Orton was upset at Kofi, and I don't know why exactly. I mean, I I remember there was that one particular match where Kofi blew a finish and Orton literally called him stupid out loud, you know. But I think there was over and over there. Right. I, I think there was more there than just that. And I don't know. I, I think Orton had a say in it, which is what got um, Kofi demoted. Um, as far as Jack is, I have no idea. That that happened so slowly that, honestly, I didn't really notice it until, you know, a few weeks into it. And I'm like, why is Jack not going after the belt anymore? You know? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, Jack's definitely got the charisma that he can – go back up to the main event. I mean, he, he played well with Edge, so I have no idea why Jack is buried as he is. Well, I shouldn't say buried, but, you know, he he's still below where his level is. I mean, right now they're pushing yeah. Dolph Ziggler over Jack Swagger, and that just boggles my mind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Pyro, you bring up some good points. Um, let me just ask you, though, um, that's a good man. The character, the person behind the scenes, you know, the CEO of the company. Any thoughts uh, on Vince, like as a whole? Do you think he's lost touch with our fan, the fan base? Um, I oh, think yeah. it's pretty weird. I think it's pretty weird that he's in a coma, quote unquote. So, give me some thoughts on Vince McMahon. I think Vince never had touch with the fans. Um, but- my my view, honestly, with how WWE transpired, Vince always had this idea for what, you know, at the time it was WWWF would become. And he he's a brilliant businessman. You know, I'll never take that away from him. He, he elevated pro wrestling to what it is today. He took it out of the circus and the, you know, sideshows and made it mainstream. But he has, you know, like I was saying earlier with uh, pro wrestling always being a fraternity and, you know, your seniority dictating – how things go. Vince has this idea of how pro wrestling should be and is. And through the 80s and early 90s, he did it. And the only reason he changed was because WCW became, you know, his competitor. And I don't think he 
changed, like he made that really famous speech where, you know, he talked about WWE, well, F will not insult your intelligence anymore by running bad storylines and unrealistic characters. And that was the start of the Attitude Era. But I don't think Vince really did it out of respect for the fans. I think he did it because he knew he was losing money. And if he didn't do that or something dramatic, he was going to go bankrupt. And he needed to do something to, you know, get the fans back. But then once they came back um, and once WCW folded and, you know, TNA is irrelevant, um, Vince goes back to that idea where he goes, well, I won. I obviously know how to do pro wrestling. Here's the way I think it should be done. And the, you know, Stephanie's no better because she, she's the one who uh, decided to hire all these writer monkeys, as I call them, you know, the, the <laughs> ex-sitcom writers to write pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's this attitude that the management believes they know what we want to see and they're going to do what they want to do. They and they're out of touch with us just because honestly they don't need to be in touch with us, and it's sad. But you know, like, like I said, just just looking at Orton is proof that they don't need to listen to us. They just go where the money is. And Orton's mainstream, as horrible as that is, he sells Cena sells merchandise, so that's all they care about. You know? Yeah. And, you know, Vince, you know, I, I think I agree with you. I, he definitely has lost touch, and I think that Vince sometimes uses um, his company as a platform to show, you know, how mighty he is and how powerful he is. And then, like, I'll give you an example. Like, the WWE Hall of Fame, right? I think a couple years ago it was all well and good, but last year they inducted someone. Let me see if you can guess this, Pyro Falcon. Last year they inducted somebody that I thought was ridiculous. Can you can you give me one guess on who you, who I'm talking about? Uh, honestly, I don't even remember who the last year, who last year's class was. So who was it? Okay, it was the Birdman, Coco Beware. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember that. A lot of uh, on the online onslaught message board forums, there were a lot of people who were trying to figure out why that was, you know, why that happened because he uh, really didn't do anything. No, he never won a belt. He never was a champion of any kind. And he basically, you know, brought a parrot to the ring that probably took a crap on every fan that was walking down the aisle. So, I mean, once this guy made it to the Hall of Fame, you might as well just induct everybody into the Hall of Fame at this point. Because if, if Coco Beware is in the Hall of Fame, I think the gobbledygookler is right up next. <laughs> oh, man, wow. you're probably right, too, because uh, he's been in the WWE longer than some of the guys who are actually in the Hall of Fame have been in there. So... That's uh, kind of scary, but you're probably right. You know, speaking of the Hall of Fame, we have Shawn Michaels who's going in this year. Obviously, Shawn Michaels is no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer if this is a real sport. My all-time favorite, definitely. But um, who do you, th for whatever reason, they haven't announced anybody else. It's like they gave Shawn a month of just let's bask in the greatness of Shawn Michaels and then let's start inducting people afterwards. But um, who do you think is in that shouldn't be in, uh, like a Coco Beware, and who do you think isn't in that should be in Randy Savage. Um, yeah, Savage definitely, Honky Tonk Man definitely should be in. Um, you know, the problem with the Hall of Fame is it's so politicized now. You know, I mean, that's the reason why these guys, some of the guys aren't in it. Uh, if I remember right, uh, Honky Tonk refused to be in it. Um, if Vince really wants it to be a legitimate Hall of Fame, then he should probably just let those people come in, whether they come and accept it or not. You know, because it's it's not like any of us fans are going to go, well, Macho Man didn't show up, so he shouldn't be in it. You know, we don't yeah. care. If Vince just says, and and unless Savage is different, you know, WWE probably owns the rights to his character. They could just say Macho Man Randy Savage is in. He's one of the Hall of Famers, and everyone's going to agree with it. It doesn't matter whether Savage himself shows up, you know. So it's the Hall of Fame is a nice idea, but I don't think it's quite there yet as far as being legitimate. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Vince is trying with um, 
uh, you know, like the uh, Japanese wrestler whose name eludes me at the moment, who got Antonio Inoki. Yeah, because he he was never, you know, he the fans who, especially WWE's current demographic, have no idea who the guy is. But if yeah. they're trying to make their Hall of Fame the re- pro wrestling Hall of Fame, you know, that's cool. Yeah. But go you know, like Vern Gagne, for example. Right. It's like go the extra mile though if you're going to do that. Add the guys who should be in it, including Macho Man and Honky Tonk Man. Don't worry about whether they will accept or whether they'll be there. You know, don't politicize it. Politicizing it just makes WWE try to be this all-powerful organization, which I guess they're trying to be. You know, just either treat the Hall of Fame as a legitimate, you know, honor that has no politics about anything or call it something like WWE Hall of Fame and only add your favorite people. I don't know what they're doing. Well, you know, speaking of that, I think the only problem with what you're saying is if it's going to be a legitimate or semi-legitimate or quasi-legitimate Hall of Fame, the guy's got to show up. Because imagine if Ricky Henderson, who got inducted to the Hall of Fame, right? He, You know, they induct him and his bust, but Ricky doesn't show up. Or Jim Rice, who was famous for, you know, hating the media and having that, that issue with it. But uh, I believe Joe had another question about the uh, the someone who definitely will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. JB? Well, I'm just going to continue on my rant before I do ask that question to Pyro Falcon. It's a sham. I mean, I, I agree that I agree that the Hall of Fame is trying to make it probably more of a pro wrestling Hall of Fame. But you know, Coco Beware. That enough said. I mean, Coco Beware is in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I cannot yeah, get over, I cannot get over that Coco Beware is in there. I think uh, never Michael will, Cole might be. In, I think Michael Cole might be inducted this year too, if uh, my reports tell me right. Oh God. Anyway. Oh uh, God. A first ballot Hall of Famer, Pyro Falcon, I'm going to give you this question. It's a really interesting question. You might want to put this on your forum. But uh, definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer is The Undertaker. Now, my question to you is, sir, who, if anybody, should end The Undertaker streak at WrestleMania? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I thought Shawn Michaels could have. You know, he didn't. But, you know, he, he was big enough to. I don't think there is anybody in the current WWE – who could, you know what, no. I, I can think of one person who could. Triple H could end, uh, could end Undertaker's streak and not be absolutely rebelled by fans because Trips <laughs> has been in it long enough. He's, you know, he's, I know there's a lot of Triple H haters out there, you know, and I can understand it because he is kind of a politician too when it comes to his own stuff. But, you know, if anyone's going to end the streak, it's got to be someone who is really, 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 really high up there. Um, and honestly, I, I don't think Triple H has earned it either. I mean, I, you know, if you're asking me who could, the list starts and stops at Triple H. But if you're asking me who will, I really hope nobody does. You know, I hope I, whenever the taker decides to hang him up and call it, you know, call it a career, I hope he has that streak intact. Because, I mean, the other thing is, if you keep the streak intact, you can also use it as a storyline point, which is great. Like, The Miz was brilliant when he won his first match and he was like, uh, I want to know at a WrestleMania and I just have 17 more to go and I'll be better than The Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> you know, that was great. So, if Triple H doesn't end, and if triple h would end it it's got to be some sort of monumental huge ridiculous match and the reason i think he could at this point is he could say like you know he wants to try to do what sean couldn't you know he wants sean being oh, yeah. his best friend and there's still that weird hanging storyline that probably nobody remembers where when uh sean uh had his farewell speech Triple H came out and said something like that he, he had something he wanted to tell Sean that he had never told anyone before, and Sheamus interrupted him. And we still have yeah, no idea what he was saying. Yeah, if, if WWE even remembers that and wants to play on it, I would yeah. love to hear, like, Triss say something like, you know, that he wants to try to do what Sean could not do. And and then I could see – and, heck, Trips could even do a, another streak versus career match, except Trips would win. And – then I think it would work. But literally anybody else, it, it, it just it can't happen. Just you know, let him retire undefeated. It's it's a great story, you know. 
It's a good point. Um, speaking of uh, segueing into WrestleMania, Power Falcon, um, who do you think? I know we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble to end the show, but let's fast forward. Let's fast forward to WrestleMania. Who do you think is going to be main eventing WrestleMania? And do you think there's going to be a uh, world title unification match? Um, I highly doubt they'll unify the belts. That would be nice. Um, that would be nice having one champion, but. If you unify the belts, it goes back to what I said about ending the brand split. We're going to have a lot of main eventers who suddenly have nowhere to go. And, uh, I mean, they might have a, a temporary one, you know, like they have the undisputed title for a while, but then they eventually split it again. You know, um, I, I, I think WWE is not going to want to do anything radical just because, you know, right now their business model as far as profits go, is sound enough that they, you know, keep making money. I don't think they're going to rock the boat. Um, as far as who's going to main event it, man, I cannot foresee Dolph Ziggler winning the title this week at Royal Rumble. Hopefully that would not. kill me. So, um, if Edge is there, that would be great. Um, John Cena has been main eventing WrestleManias for like four years now, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's there. Um, you know, because Cena's been talking about the I don't think he'll necessarily win it at the Rumble. Well, actually, I don't think he'll win the Rumble. But, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Cena or Orton are somehow, you know, up there as the main event. Because, you know, right now, WWE's main number one people in order are Cena, Orton, or maybe it's Orton, Cena. Um, either way, it's horrible. But probably <laughs> one of them is going to be in the main event and probably the other one is going to be in the co-main event. Um, unless the undertaker gets really, really healthy enough and they can give him some sort of epic storyline to take him into WrestleMania. So, uh, you know, his streak can be on the line as the main event. But, you know, again, at this point with drawn out, I don't know who could even legitimately challenge undertaker streak that the fans wouldn't just immediately dismiss as a joke. Right. Another person that we haven't really touched upon, and, uh, you know, we're running short on time here, Pyro Falcon. Hopefully he can come on again, and we can just definitely discuss more. But I just want to tell you that I think they dropped the ball with Sheamus. I mean, the guy wins the king of the ring and now is just losing, like, match over match over match. And, like, it's nonstop. I mean, don't you think that they've dropped the ball on him? Absolutely. Sheamus, um... You know, they, they I used to have what I call the SmackDown rule, which is where whoever loses on SmackDown or, you know, whatever the last show is before a pay-per-view is going to wind up winning at the pay-per-view. And if this happened five years ago, I would say all these losses mean that Sheamus is just going to win the Rumble. But I don't think so. I mean, yeah, they've, definitely. they've mishandled Sheamus just as badly as they've mishandled Edge, or not Edge, Christian. Um, they've mishandled... Uh, MVP, they've mishandled Kofi, they've mishandled uh, Ken Kennedy. You know, Sheamus is just mishandled like everybody else has been mishandled. The last good King okay. of the Ring was King Booker because, you know, the, the whole King gimmick changed him and it, it freshened up his character and it became this thing with him. It was funny, you know, the way he rose the, uh, raised the pinky up before a match. But, you know, King William Regal was nothing. You know, I mean, he he came and went. I forgot he even won the the last King of the Ring, and uh, you know they're doing the same thing to Sheamus. They're calling him King Sheamus, but he's not being treated like a king. He's being treated like a jobber. Yeah, he definitely is being treated like a jobber, and it's a shame because uh, Booker that led him to a title, and Sheamus has already been world champ two times over, but he's definitely uh, jobbing it up. What this probably means is that he'll be the number one entrant in the Rumble, cut this promo, and then get eliminated in probably one second by uh, Santino with a Cobra, and, you know, we'll move on from that. But uh, as we close out the, as we close yeah. out the show, um, i got a couple more questions to ask, but last wrestling one, give us your prediction for who's going to win the Royal Rumble and, you know, what you're expecting out of this 40-man monster that we have on Sunday. Okay, as far as who's going to win it, I uh, actually did my homework in preparation for the interview. I want to name off the last ten winners of the Royal Rumble, okay? The last ten winners in order are Edge, Orton, John Cena, Undertaker, Rey Mysterio, Batista, Chris Benoit, Brock Lesnar, Triple H, and Steve Austin. And the one thing I noticed among all ten except maybe Chris Benoit 
is that when those each of those guys won the Rumble, they were already considered main eventers. So unless WWE is going to rock the boat and, and, you know, do something wacky, I can't foresee any mid-carder actually winning it. Um, there's been a lot of discussion on the OO forums that Alberto Del Rio is going to win. Some people have said Sheamus. Those guys are not main eventers You're right. not yet. They, you know, they could be, but they're not going to win it. I think, and I'm going to look like a genius if that comes true, the winner Come of the on. Rumble will be CM Punk, because if Punk wins, it will actually be make Nexus legitimate. Because if he doesn't win, then all the stuff he's doing on Raw is going to make Nexus completely castrated. And Nexus is going to look even more stupid than they already do. If Punk wins, it gives Nexus a reason to exist. It gives them a reason to be very visible, to run the show, to do their little Nexus thing all over Raw. And it gives Nexus a reason to mess with Core. Unfortunately, I I don't want to see that, but it will give Nexus a reason to mess with Core because Punk can tease that he's going to go after the SmackDown title before ultimately picking the Raw title. So, that would be yep, great. I, I'm calling CM Punk to win the Royal Rumble. That would be great because JB says he picked uh, Punk like 10 years ago, but besides the point, I was actually hoping <laughs> when he was cutting his promo, I think it was last year when he did all that great eliminating people cutting promos in between. That was awesome. I was hoping he'd win, and then I think Triple H came in, kicked him in the sack, and threw him out. So, you know, and hopefully that won't happen this year. Hopefully Trips will make his return, but won't do that to CM Punk. Um, you know, shifting gears for my last two questions, I know you write game guides for uh, – Online, uh, online. So I know you're right, game guys for IGN, one of my favorite uh, websites. Any good games yes, you're looking forward to this year? Um, Mass Effect Three for sure. Um, unfortunately, that's as far as I've planned because when uh, I get games uh, for guides, I sort of have to plan around them. Um, I actually recently just turned down a chance to review a game called A Box, which is from PC RTS just because I'm not interested. So, you know, I, I sort of have to plan around those. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Mass Effect 3, but that's really all that's on my radar at the moment. Okay. What about movies? Anything quickly before we uh, close up? Uh, not really movies. I'm not much of a movie guy except on Netflix, you know, watching them like three years after they come out. But, uh, you know, I'm up for anything like I told you at the <laughs> start of the interview. So, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll catch – some, I don't know, what, what's the new comic book one that's coming out? Green yeah, uh, Lantern, right? Thor, Captain America, Green Lantern, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, anything and everything pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I might just cast one on a whim, so, you know. All right, Pyro. Um, you know, on behalf of uh, JB and the Pure Gold team here, our producer Fitz, we'd like to uh, thank you for coming on. It was great having you. Hopefully, we can definitely have you on in the future. You know, we can keep in touch, and uh, you know, hopefully, you had a good time. We definitely enjoyed it. So, Absolutely, thank you for man. everything. I'll, thanks I'll for the be sure to. I'll be sure to come back if you'll have me whenever you wish. Awesome, man. Awesome. We really appreciate it. And uh, once again, thanks for coming on. And you know, hopefully, you have a good evening. I know you told me you're sick, so. Feel better, pal. All right. You too, guys. Thanks. All right. Take care. Uh, folks, that was Pyro Falcon of Online Onslaught. It was it was great having him on, folks. Uh, it's been an action-packed week. We have exciting guests that are coming up, folks. There's actually a couple of guests that I can't give you an exact date for, but I'm working on them, and these are some, some big names, folks, so stay tuned. Next Tuesday, we'll have a special 9 o'clock show with Mr. Keith Elias. Actually, next week we're going to have two 9 o'clock shows for, you know, one time only, special occasion. Keith Elias used to play for the New York Giants and the Indianapolis Colts in the 90s. He was also part of the wonderful XFL for a year, uh, you know, when that existed. Again, it's going to be at 9 o'clock. Um, we're going to have on Thursday a special guest, Mr. Mark Malusis of WFAN in New York, folks. That's right, the Moose is going to be on at 9 o'clock with us, so that's going to be amazing. We're, we're excited to have Mark on. We'll also have Anthony Tyler Quinn of Boy Meets World who's going to be joining us on Thursday, February 10th, so that would be the following week. Uh, he has also appeared on some great TV shows like House, Cold Case, and Dexter. 
folks, there's uh, there's lots coming up in Pure Gold, and we're excited to have you listening and you know chime in whenever you can. Unfortunately, it's that time once again. Remember to tune in next Tuesday at 9 p.m., our special time. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you folks to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.